Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. In this episode of Boss Files, an exclusive interview with Wells Fargo CEO Tim Sloan. In the wake of the fraudulent account scandal, he calls the bank's actions completely unacceptable and inappropriate and tells me he bears some responsibility for what happened. Sloan vows to change the culture at the bank and tells me about his conversation with Wells Fargo's biggest shareholder, Warren Buffett. How will Tim Sloan lead Wells Fargo forward? Here's our exclusive interview. Tim Sloan, thank you for being here. Oh, it's great to be here, Poppy. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. You have a big job ahead. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is rebuilding consumer trust in in Wells Fargo, an iconic American company. So let's begin here. In the wake of the fake account scandal, two million uh, at least unauthorized accounts opened, ultimately costing uh, some 5,300 employees their job. How do you think America sees Wells Fargo today? Oh, I think there's a question about the company, uh, which is completely understandable. Uh, but that's why we're very focused on rebuilding trust, rebuilding trust with our customers, our team members, uh, the communities that we do business in. We've made a lot of changes in the last six months that I've uh, been CEO. We've got more work to do, mm-hmm. but we're very focused on rebuilding trust. So when you look at it from the 30,000-foot view that you have as CEO, mm-hmm. the man charged with doing this, mm-hmm. How much damage do you think has been done to the iconic Wells Fargo brand? Well, we just celebrated our 165th birthday, and I think that puts the impact in perspective. We've clearly had an impact on our reputation, and Mm -hmm. it hasn't been good. but having said that, we're very focused on moving forward, and the way that we're doing that is by making real fundamental changes in the company. We've acknowledged the mistakes we made, and we made a number of mistakes. There's no question about it. Uh, we're focused on fixing that was broken, mm-hmm. making sure that we're making things right by our customers and our team members, and then moving forward. When you look at some of the numbers, looking at the March numbers, Mm -hmm. uh, Wells Fargo credit card applications down 42%, consumer checking accounts being opened down 35% from Mm -hmm. a year ago, and you look at the price tag, what do you think this will ultimately cost the bank? I don't know what it's going to cost the bank. I, I know that there's been a reputational impact. But you said no- tens of millions before, at least. Well, that's we, we've said that it's been tens of millions in terms of the expense cost mm-hmm. of this. But the, the cost has been greater, there's no question. Yeah. But in terms of the statistics that you talked about, that's year over year. What I've been really focused on is the progress that we've been making uh, since the fourth quarter. Clearly, when you look at customer experience scores, customer loyalty scores, a number of accounts that were opened and the like, in the fourth quarter we reached lows and we've been improving uh, every month since then. Right, you just saw about a 2% increase in your primary checking customers up to 23.6 million. So you're talking about numbers like that encourage you? Correct. Okay. Why do you think this happened? I mean, you're a guy who's been at this bank since 1987. Right. I was a toddler running around. Yeah. This has been your Thank life. Thank you for making me feel old. I appreciate that. This has yeah. been your life mm-hmm. in terms of your work. Mm-hmm. Why did this happen, Tim? 
Well, I think it happened because in our retail banking business, we had an incentive compensation plan that drove inappropriate behavior. It created a culture that was very focused on selling products as mm -hmm. opposed to providing the right service and advice. So that was number one. Number two, the way that we were organized then versus where we are today is that we had many of our risk functions inside the business. Our businesses were organized in a very siloed way. And so those two uh, combined created an atmosphere for creating this problem. When you look at the independent board report that came out on this, mm -hmm. the words they used, improper, unethical, common to blame employees, without analyzing the root cause. So mm -hmm. wasn't it more than just these two dysfunctional things? Was it at the core a systemic culture problem? Well, there, th those, those two things that you describe, which actually are very important, created a culture in our retail banking business that was inappropriate. I thought the board report, which was very comprehensive, mm -hmm. they looked at over 35 million documents, interviewed hundreds of people, looked at thousands of other interviews that bank management had, had completed, mm -hmm. was, was spot on in that we, we it identified the problems. Yeah. It also talked about many of the things that we've done to change the mistakes that we made. Do you believe that Wells Fargo put too much blame on low-level employees for the fake account scandal? Do you believe the finger was pointed at low-level folks too much? I, I, I don't believe so. Right? I think that the, the senior leadership has taken accountability. Um, I, having said that, I think that one of the fundamental mistakes that we made was that we had an incentive compensation plan in place that created a culture that was uncomfortable for a lot of people. That was a mistake that we made. We should have corrected it sooner than mm -hmm. we did. We've corrected it now. But the, the board report, the independent board report says it was common to blame employees who violated Wells Fargo's rules without analyzing what caused them or motivated them to do so, pointing to management, immediate management and upper management that created this unachievable set of sales goals in a system that they mm -hmm. were answering to. Right, and they said, we've made mistakes, and one of the changes that we're making in our retail banking business, in addition to the incentive compensation plan, is that we, we manage and lead our team differently. We're focused not on encouraging them to sell a product, but on providing the right service and advice to our customers. That's a mistake that we made. We've corrected it, and we're moving forward. But so you don't think that terminating, you know, 5,300 employees for these actions, granted, they were violations, mm -hmm. but you don't think that's pointing too much blame on those folks, on lower-level employees? I think on, on those team members that did something that was fraudulent yep. or... Uh, violated our code of ethics? No. But at the direction th of their management? I, I, think, I think for those team members that were uncomfortable, that left the company, that weren't happy at the company, the answer is absolutely yes. And that's why we've got to learn from these mistakes and make these changes. A point that the Independent Board Report makes, quote, many employees felt failing to meet sales goals could and sometimes did result in termination or career-hindering criticism right. by their supervisors. If you have one of these jobs, you're trying to support a family. Mm -hmm. I'm not calling these folks all innocent. I don't know all their cases. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying to you, sort of, is there any onus on Wells Fargo now to do anything for those folks? Well, we we've, we've are reaching out and we will continue to reach out to those team members 
that left the company because they were uncomfortable with the incentive compensation program and the culture in our uh, retail bank or were dismissed for not meeting certain goals. We want those folks to come back to Wells Fargo. We've hi now hired over a thousand of them back in various parts of the company. Uh, that indicates to me that they're comfortable with the changes that we've made and they believe in the new Wells Fargo. But not the ones who were let go. That's correct. Fired for That's cost. correct. So what did you think when you when you sat and you read through that report? 110 page report. Mm -hmm. I read it. A lot of folks read it. Mm -hmm. What did you leave it feeling? Well, first, it was very hard to read, to your point. I've been at the company almost 30 years, um, and I care about this company. This company has been my working life. I care about the people that work at Wells Fargo. I care about our customers. And so when you read very direct criticism of the company, it hurts. But that's what reinforces and really creates a big incentive for us mm -hmm. to make these changes because we have a great history at Wells Fargo, and we want to build things better than they are right now. The fact that this was happening, as the board report found, actually longer than, you know, five or six years. They found issues of this coming up as far back as 2002. The fact that this could happen for more than a decade, a decade plus, do you believe that it plays right into the argument that some make that Wells Fargo is simply too big to manage? Not, you know, not talking about too big to fail, talking about too big to manage. The word that came up over and over again was decentralized. Mm -hmm. Is Wells Fargo too big to manage today? Did it get ahead of the management? I don't think it is. Uh, and I think that the changes that we've made, some of which began when I became chief operating officer about a year and a half ago, are fundamental to fixing what was broken at the company. There's no question that for... So was, it too, was it too big to manage? No, I don't think it was too big to manage. What I think was that we had a decentralized structure that worked well for decades, but it clearly fostered a culture in our retail banking business that was inappropriate. So what do we need to do? We need to step back and say, let's change it. So what have we done? We've taken the risk and control functions out of the lines of business, so out of our retail banking business, out of our wholesale banking business, wealth and investment management, and so on, and we've put those in a, in a centralized mm -hmm. A place uh, so, so that in terms of the check and balance, in terms of managing risk, we can manage risk at, at Wells Fargo and the size that we are today. Who do you think, I mean, let's just talk about the people, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the folks that lost their job, over 5,000 of them, you know, from carrying out these sales practices that they were told to do mm -hmm. by their management. A lot of mm -hmm. these folks made, you know, less than 20 bucks an hour, and mm -hmm. their livelihood depended yeah. on this, their lives have been turned upside down. Mm -hmm. Who do you think this ultimately hurt the most? Well, I think that, that the, the, all the, the folks that were hurt the most were our customers, right? And, and we need to make things right with our customers. That's why we reached out to 40 million of our retail customers in the fourth quarter. That's why we reached out to 3 million small business customers in the fourth quarter and said, hey, if you've got a concern about Wells Fargo, come in and see us. Uh, the second group that I think it impacted the most was our team members. We've made fundamental changes in terms of how we manage and lead our team members just in the last six months, the, the most important of which was changing the incentive compensation plan mm -hmm. that we had in our retail bank that was focused too much on selling things as opposed to providing the right service and advice. So what about those folks that did lose their job, that were let go for cause, mm -hmm 
for opening these unauthorized accounts. I understand that, but, but as the Independent Board Report found, they write, it was common to blame employees who violated Wells Fargo's rules without analyzing what caused them to do so. Mm-hmm. Have you talked to any of those folks that have been let go as a result? Are they some of the folks hurt most in this? I've talked to a lot of people at Wells Fargo. That's one of the great things about my job is going out and seeing our customers and seeing our team members. Uh, When I think about the team members that I want to bring back to Wells Fargo, it's any team member that left the company because they were uncomfortable with the sales incentive plan in our retail bank or were dismissed because they didn't meet certain goals and objectives. If you, however, having said that... Some of the fired folks well, you if bring you, back? Well, let me finish. If you, if you violate our code of ethics mm-hmm. or you break the law, you can't work at Wells Fargo. That's the responsibility that we have to our customers to make sure that we have the right team that's providing them with the right service yeah. and advice every day. So even if they're direct management you know, was the one telling them, you need to do this, you need to hit these unrealistic account goals, fostering this environment where it was okay, it was permitted to open up unauthorized accounts. Those folks that were fired, they can't, they can't come back. That, just if, to be clear, right? If, to be very clear, if you violate our code of ethics or you do something dishonest, right, you can't work at Wells so Fargo. what happens to That's them, though, my Tim, responsibility. Because you understand that it's also, you know, some of these folks were, were doing directly what their management told them. Right. And now they're out. You know, they don't have a job. Some of them have lost their homes because they can't afford it. You know, what, 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 what is your message to them? My message to them, again, is that if you, if you violate the code of ethics at mm-hmm. Wells Fargo, if you do something that's not inappropriate for a customer, you can't work at the company. Having said that, I think we've also taken very strong uh, uh, accountability uh, with senior management of the company who was directing right. what, we th- what we believe were some inappropriate activities. Right. I mean, uh, Kara Tolstead, for example, the head of the, the community bank, you're the one who decided ultimately that she had to go. That's correct. Was that the root of the problem? No, I think, I think Carrie was the leader of the retail bank and she had the ultimate responsibility for the activities within our retail bank and so she needed to uh, to move on right which is the conversation that i had with her as part of the board investigation the board concluded that she needed to be dismissed for cause let's talk about some of these whistleblowers almost half a dozen wells fargo workers told cnn money that they were fired after they called the bank's confidential ethics mm-hmm. hotline. Now, it's important to know the board report did not find a pattern of retaliation against these whistleblowers. These are individual cases, mm-hmm. people that have reached out to us. Mm-hmm. The board's reviewing this further. You're, you've said that some of these cases have raised questions for you. Mm-hmm. What was your personal reaction when you heard some of this, that there was some retaliation against some whistleblowers? So one instance of retaliation, from my perspective, is one too many. It's completely unacceptable. The the way I think about this, Poppy, is not necessarily as the CEO of the company, Mm -hmm. but as a father. 
We have three children that are all millennials. Our two sons are married. So think about five millennials at home. I think about five folks of that age working at Wells Fargo that had a concern that were uncomfortable going to their manager or didn't bring it up to aid our human resources group and instead called the ethics line. If In doing that, if they were retaliated against, that's completely unacceptable to me. So what we've done is we, we brought in an independent law firm to look at the calls that were made to the ethics line, mm -hmm. those calls in which team members identified themselves. And then we said, let's look and see what happened to those team members. If any of them were dismissed within 12 months of calling the ethics line, if any of them had any sort of compensation action or a note to their file or something mm -hmm. like that. So we've looked at hundreds of cases and we've gotten it down to a handful that we're spending more time looking at. If it turns out that we were in error, we will fix it with that team member. How do you fix it? What what does that it mean? It depends on the, the situation for that team member. How can can you mm -hmm. reassure Wells Fargo employees, because you have a lot of them across this country, that none of them will face retaliation if they call the ethics hotline now? How, how can they be reassured, Tim, that things have changed? Well, I think it's a really good question. And so the, the way to assure them is by not is looking at our ethics line process. We brought in a third-party consultant with a lot of experience in looking at ethics lines mm -hmm. and how calls to the ethics line are processed. There's lots of reasons that somebody might call an ethics line. Some may be less important. Some may be incredibly important. You've got to make sure that they're routed in the right way, mm -hmm. that they're reviewed in the right way. And we have done that. And I've been very clear with our team on a number of occasions that it is safe to call the ethics line. And again, the lens that I use is would I be comfortable if our son or daughter or daughter-in-law called the ethics line if they had if they worked at Wells Fargo and they had a problem? And the short answer is yes. The independent board report revealed the existence of an internal report at Wells Fargo prepared 12 years ago. And in a sense, it sort of eerily foretold what played out in the scandal. It, it, it was a report titled Gaming, and it warned that employees had a, quote, incentive to cheat based on, quote, a fear of losing their job. It recommended at that time, 2004, potentially eliminating these sales goals and sales um, things that were unrealistic to achieve all, all the way back then. How is it, and you were at the bank then, mm -hmm. how is it that Wells Fargo didn't act? 2004. It would have saved you guys all of this. I, I, I don't know the answer to that because I wasn't in that part of the bank yep. then. I was in our wholesale banking group. And when I read that, I felt horrible. I think it's an example of a mistake that we made. Um, we should have dealt with and addressed some of the concerns about the incentive compensation plan then. It shouldn't have taken us as long as it did to deal it, with those. Why do you think it did? I mean, your job now is to figure out how do you repair the bank's reputation right. and how do you make sure none of this happens again? I mean, what's the lesson learned from that? To see a report like this in 2004 right. that goes to a lot of upper management right. and no one does anything. The, the, the lessons are the following. The first is that we've got to encourage our team 
that if they see an issue or a concern, they should raise their hand. We're encouraging them to do that. We've got to create an, a culture within the company and continue to improve our culture that rewards people for doing the right things for our customers, for raising concerns. And then when we see those concerns, mm -hmm. we need to deal with them more quickly. Those are examples of mistakes that we made. The changes that we've made since I've become CEO are there to, to address those issues. Looking at the process, you're not done as a bank reviewing all of the accounts and what may have been fraudulently opened, unauthorized accounts. You're looking now back to 2009, but the board report found that some of this went back to 2002. Mm -hmm. Are you committed to expanding the investigation back to 2002? I'm committed to telling our customers that if we've made a mistake, we will make it right by them. But that and means so, them, well, but Tim, that means them bringing it to you. What I'm saying is, will you commit? to looking internally as a bank all the way back to 2002? The best we can, Poppy. I think that the challenge we have is just the quality of the data that goes back 5, 10, 15, maybe as, as long as the board report is. We've, we've reached out to our customers and we've said, look, if you have an issue, come in and see us. That's why we reached out to 40 million yeah. uh, in, the, in the fourth quarter and then 3 million small businesses. So I, we're absolutely committed to do that. I hear that and that's mm -hmm. what your CFO said, you mm -hmm. know, to, to to American Banker in a recent interview, but mm -hmm. it's aren't you then putting the onus on customers to figure this out and to come to you with it rather than saying, all right, if we're going to truly get to the bottom of it, truly repair culture, we need to know every instance of what went wrong as far back as it went wrong. So we're going to do our best. I know the data may be, uh, you know, not fully there, mm -hmm. but we're going to do our best, and we are going to expand this. Uh, investigation all the way back to 2002. So Why well, not try to uncover every, you know, turn over every stone? We, 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 we've, we've done everything that we can to turn over every stone. You've talked about looking at, at every mistake we've ever made to change our culture. I think we need to move very, very quickly to make improvements in the culture, particularly within our retail bank. How do we do that? Again, we change the incentive plan. We talk about how we lead and manage people differently. We've got a new leadership team in there. We've got a new way that we manage risk, that we measure performance. All those things are helping to change the culture in our retail banking business. But you're not going to expand it past 2009 for now? Right now, what we're saying to our customers, if they have a concern about their account, they should come in and see us. Let's talk about you. A lot of folks, you know, floated your name as the next CEO. You just didn't think it would happen like this. And a lot of folks didn't think it would happen like this. Um, you were CFO, then COO and president between 2011, 2015, at sort of the height of all of this, at the height of these fake account openings. Granted, you were in a different part of the bank and you did not have direct control over the people running this part of the bank. But for folks that are asking, why are you an insider who's been there since 1987, the right guy to lead the bank in the next chapter? What do you say to them? Well, first, it wasn't my decision. The board decided that I was the right person for the job. But you accepted uh, it. I did. I did because I had the confidence that uh, I could make change in the company. Why did I have the confidence? Because I've been making change for my 29 and a half year career at Wells Fargo. I made change when I became the president and chief operating officer uh, about a year before. Mm -hmm. When you look at the changes that we've made since I became CEO, you can see fundamental 
additional uh, activities at, the, at Wells Fargo being done differently. Now, we're going to know a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, and so on, uh, whether or not that's successful. But I have the confidence, and one of the reasons I have the confidence is the quality of the senior leadership team at Wells Fargo, and I see what they're doing every day. I think we've got the best team in the industry. You brought in Mary Mack. You brought in a new head of the, uh, you know, of the, of the retail side of the community bank. What is the most fundamental change then, Tim, to try to prove your naysayers wrong? Folks mm-hmm. that say, how can a guy who's been on the inside change things? Well, what do you think the most fundamental changes you've made? Well, first, <clears throat> measure us by what we do and not by what we say. Right, I hear CEOs all the time talking about all the great things I that do they're going to do. Yeah, there you go. And but 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 measure by us by what yeah. we've done. So, so what's what, going to tell you that? What's going to tell people that? What's the action? Well, let, let's talk about some of the actions that we've taken. First, we've reorganized how the company is structured. We've taken our risk functions and centralized every one of them. Tens of thousands of people have moved into a different reporting structure in Wells Fargo. That's number one. Mm -hmm. We changed our incentive compensation plan in the retail banking business in less than 90 days and rolled that out to 75,000 team members. You don't get more money for how many accounts you open. That's, Pardon me? That's the fundamental change. You, you don't get more and more money for opening more and more accounts. No, the, the way that the new incentive uh, program works is it's focused on service and advice based upon how our customers feel about our bankers and the service and advice that they got from our team. It's based upon the growth of relationships over time, not by just selling a product. And it's making, it's also measured on how the team works together as opposed to just an individual's performance. And then the important thing, and this is fundamental, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a risk overlay in terms of how we're measuring quality of accounts and how people are working together that's mm-hmm. done in independently in that centralized risk function that I mentioned. Let's talk about compensation. Mm-hmm. Um, $180 million in compensation has been clawed back from senior executives mm-hmm. at the bank because of this. Mm-hmm. A handful of executives have been terminated or lost their job. Wells Fargo is, is paying $185 million in fines for all of this. Do you think that senior leaders, Tim, have been held personally to account enough? I think the appropriate senior leaders have uh, been held responsible. I think the board report uh, reinforces that. Again, the board report was very comprehensive and looked at this. The board took their responsibilities in terms of making sure that there was appropriate accountability Mm -hmm. very, very seriously. And as you said, there's been hundreds of millions of dollars of compensation that's been impacted. People have been dismissed from the company with cause. Senior executives, the head of our retail banking business, Mm -hmm. the five senior executives, that reported to the head of the business. Then management has removed other senior leaders that reported to those folks. So there's been a lot of accountability. So and do you th- think it's enough? Are you, are you satisfied? Do you think that the bank has sort of paid the price? Well, I, I think in terms of taking accountability, yes, I think we've taken the, the right actions. Uh, and, and there were difficult decisions to make, both for the board as well as for senior leaders like myself. But in this situation, they were absolutely appropriate. So folks have raised their eyebrows, some folks, that your compensation has gone up. Um, your 2016 compensation, $12.9 million, an 18% increase from, from 2015, about $2 million more. This, you know, amid, amid the scandal, amid the fact that you do have these 5,300 employees that were dismissed because of this. For folks that 
have a hard time stomaching that. They ask why. What do you say to them? Well, first I got a new job. I mean, I had, I had different roles in the company yeah. for, during those periods. That's number one. Number two, my compensation was impacted. I did not get a cash bonus last year, which was, by the way, entirely appropriate because I bear some responsibility for what happened. I've said that publicly to our team uh, and to our customers. Um, and then in addition, um, there was, there was ex or, uh, equity compensation that, that was vesting this year mm -hmm. that was cut in half. But you got a pay increase. Because I became substantial. I understand because that. I became CEO of the company, Poppy. I had a different job. I was the president and chief operating officer of the company. Part of the company reported to me. I took on an additional role, mm -hmm. which was in a new job, which was being CEO. So, what's going to tell you? How do you measure yourself? How do you measure your own success as you try to lead this company out of out of this, Tim? What's your measurement? Well, it's going to be a measurement based upon how our customers are feeling about us, how our team members are feeling about us, how our shareholders feel about us. It's going to be measured in a lot of different ways, and it's going to be measured in, not by me, but by the board and by many others that have uh, a stake in Wells Fargo. Warren Buffett, uh, Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway, uh, remains the, the largest shareholder uh, in, in Wells Fargo. Have you spoken with Warren Buffett in the wake of this this crisis, and and have you reassured him it won't happen again? What can you tell us about those conversations? Sure, I, I've, I've I reach out, and part of my job is to reach out to all of our large shareholders. Clearly, we're so fortunate to have uh, Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway as our largest shareholder. We're also their largest public shareholding, so it's very important that we keep a very good dialogue and so I talk to Warren every so often on the phone we've gotten together for lunch a couple of times uh, I ask him opinion uh, um, on things that we're doing what I'd like to get to his does, advice as much as you can share obviously some sure. of it's private but does he what kind of advice does he give you as as you look at the the, the task ahead well, I think some of the advice he actually gave on your show uh, uh, last fall, which was that we had an incentive compensation plan and it was incenting people in our retail bank to do the wrong thing, and we should have fixed it earlier. That's exactly right. What I take from that and what we've talked about is that when you see a problem, deal with it as quickly as you can. He is famous, of course, for the comments he made in his congressional testimony around the Solomon Brothers mm -hmm. crisis when he said, lose money for the firm and I will be understanding, lose a shred of reputation and I will be ruthless. Mm -hmm. So much of this for Wells is about reputation. Mm -hmm. Did you promise Warren Buffett anything about reputation? I promised him that I would do my best. That's all I can promise. And I've, I promised him that we would execute on the changes that we have talked about publicly, and we would be very focused on rebuilding trust with our customers, our team members, uh, our shareholders. And that's what we're very focused on doing. Let's talk a bit about uh, John Sumpf, your, your predecessor, someone you were very close to, not only professionally, but I would assume personally, as you were both leaders at this bank. Did he not understand the gravity of this situation? Did he have blinders on? What happened on his part, do you think? Well, I think when you look at John's career at Wells Fargo, there's a lot to be proud of in that he was the CEO and then the chairman and CEO when Wells Fargo and Wachovia 
came together, which wasn't arguably, it was the most successful combination in financial services history. Having said that, John would also be the first one to acknowledge that he made some mistakes. I think he said that publicly. Some of what the board report found, and he did say that publicly and in his, his congressional testimony, but this is some of what the board report found about him specifically, that he would, quote, minimize problems despite growing indications the situation was worsening that he did not engage in investigation and critical analysis to fully understand the problem, and that he, he himself, this report says, received numerous customer and employee complaints about the sales practices. Did John Sumpf mislead you? Do you feel misled by him, or do you think he didn't see the magnitude? Well, I think the best person to ask that is John Stumpf. From my perspective, uh, I agree that John made some mistakes, like we all made mistakes. He, again, he acknowledged those mistakes. What, what I'm focused on mm -hmm. right now is making sure that if there are any mistakes that we haven't uh, fixed at Wells Fargo, mm -hmm. that we get right on those. So how about moving forward uh, as you work to do that? You do have, according to your own SEC filings, a Department of Justice investigation, an SEC investigation, other agencies investigating. Is there any update that you can give us on those? No. No, we're c continuing to cooperate with the investigations by the various agencies of government, and th those are going to play out the way they're going to play out. We're going to continue to have good relationships with our regulators and any of those agencies, and we're going to going to cooperate. How about you, um, in terms of leading the bank, how much t of your time and your energy is spent on that? Yeah. Those investigations versus sort of the culture, tackling culture, which is huge. Yeah, very, uh, at this point, very little, a uh, small amount of my time is, is uh, involved in those investigations. It's very focused on leading the company, mm -hmm. and sometimes 150% of my time is focused on, on changing uh, uh, the culture of the company and improving the culture, and, but, and as much of it is also focused on just running the company on a day-to-day -day basis. When you walk into a room or introduce yourself to someone and you say, I work at Wells Fargo. Yeah. When your time is up leading the bank, what do you want them to say to you? What do you want them to think? I want them to think that I worked very hard and I cared for this company and I cared for our customers and I cared for our team members and I was able to lead the company uh, and rebuild the trust that we've lost, mm -hmm. rebuild our reputation, and I was able to deliver for our shareholders. There was a report recently that really struck me, and uh, your team, your you know PR team, re responded to it. But I want to give you a chance to respond. I want to hear from you what you thought when you heard this. Mm -hmm. it, it's it's about women mm -hmm. working at Wells Fargo and in banking. Yeah. And a recent NBER working paper found that female employees who engaged in misconduct at Wells Fargo were 27% more likely than their male counterparts to lose their job. Mm -hmm. And this was despite the fact that these researchers found that men are three times more likely to engage in misconduct. Mm -hmm. A, what did you think when you read it? Does it concern you? Well, first, uh, we, we disagree uh, with that study. I, I don't know how you describe it. I, I can't recall. Working it. paper. Working paper. Study. What, what, whatever that means, right? First, it wasn't about Wells Fargo. It was about 
our, our brokerage business. Wells Fargo Advisors. Right, that's correct. So that's about 10% of the company. That doesn't make it right. We have looked at those allegations, and candidly, we cannot understand how the researchers made those conclusions based upon publicly uh, available information. And when we look at our data, we come up with different conclusions. I'm very proud of the commitment to diversity that we have at Wells Fargo. We have a very diverse board in terms of the number of women on the board. We have a very diverse senior leadership team in terms of the number of folks that are on our operating committee. You mentioned Mary Mack is just one example. So you don't, you say you looked at your internal data at, at Wells Fargo Advisors, that branch of the, you know, that part of the company, and you don't see this at all reflected? No. So then my follow-up was, what's Wells Fargo doing to address it? But you're saying this problem doesn't exist. I'm saying that based upon, as a follow-up to that report yeah. that came out, uh, which at first described it as Wells Fargo, which was inaccurate, as Wells Fargo Advisors, and we looked at that data, we've come to different conclusions. Okay. We do not believe that is accurate. How would you describe Wells Fargo's culture today as we sit here? Mid-April yeah. 2017. Yeah, you know what? It, 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 it doesn't matter how I describe it. It's how our team members describe so it. So what do you hear from them then? Well, one of the things that we've done since I became C CEO is we survey our team members. So every so often, it, it, initially it was a week and every week, and now it's every other week or once a month, we sur randomly survey about 10,000 of our team members. Mm -hmm. And they tell us they like the changes that we're, we're making. They like the level of communication that they're getting. And proud of the company. I also look at how they decide whether or not they like working at Wells Fargo. The amount of turnover that we have, for example, in our retail bank mm -hmm. is now at some of its lowest levels in history. I look at how we're able to attract new team members to Wells Fargo. And so that's, those are the measures that I use, and they're, and they're positive. What do you want this bank to look like when, when you retire? You know what? I'm I'm not smart enough to know that. I wish I could see. Now I, I I I'm 56 years old, right? I can't work at Wells Fargo beyond being 65. That's a mandatory retirement age for somebody in my role. Having said that, I'm an at-will employee, mm -hmm. right? My I will keep this job as long as I continue to perform, and I understand that. Yeah. If I get the opportunity to be able to work nine more years, what I want to see is us. Um, achieving the aspirational goals that I rolled out to our team about a month ago. I want to be known in we want to be known in financial service as having the best service and advice. We want to have the best team member engagement, so to be the employer of choice. We want to be known as the most innovative company in financial services. We want to have the best risk management. We want to be the best corporate citizen. I think we're already number one there, to be honest with you. And then we want to provide the best uh, long-term return for our shareholders. If we can accomplish those, then I'll have done a good job. All right, let's talk a little bit of politics. Fair what enough. is it like to be the CEO of a big American bank right now in this administration where things are really changing? It's, it's exciting in that, um, in that we're very focused on growing the economy right, and, and growing more jobs in this country. Why is that important to us? Because that's important to our customers. 95, 96% of our business is here in the United States. So what happens in the United States is so critical to our customer success and our success. Do you feel like you have a clear picture of where 
President Trump and his team stand on key economic policies, like tax reform, like immigration? Do you have a clear picture? Or is this the land of the unknown right now? Well, I think, I think that the president and the administration are trying to fulfill the, the campaign promises that they made to the folks that voted for them. Right? And, and that's a work in process. I think it's a work in process like it's been in every administration for our 165 years. But you can't uh, say this is like every administration. I mean, this is, this is different than this country has, has seen. Yeah. You don't feel like there's more unknowns? No, I don't, I don't think so at all. I was a history major in college. In fact, spent a lot of time focused on the presidency and yeah. presidential elections. And what I found is that, that any time we're, you and I, are in the midst of being part of the change that's going on in the country, it feels unprecedented. But I think when you look at our history, you can look at many other periods in our history and say that it was just as unprecedented as what we're feeling now. The difference is you and I are, ex are experiencing it today. What is the number one thing that you would like to see out of the Trump administration this year? What action? So uh, I, I'm informed in that uh, answer by what our customers want. So what do we they want? we the, the biggest issues that our customers have had, uh, both small business and consumers over the last few years, has been taxes and the health care system. And, and I'm hopeful that, that the administration will be able to address both those issues. All right. Um, let's talk about that hope because we saw what happened with health care reform. Mm -hmm. We'll see if they if, if it happens the second time around if they can get it through. But on tax reform. You know, you, you have Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin coming out this week and telling the Financial Times that August deadline that they had set mm -hmm. does not look realistic. What mm -hmm. makes you hopeful, or are you hopeful, that, that the Trump administration will get comprehensive tax reform done in 2017? Not just tax cuts, but actual mm -hmm. reform. Yeah, I, I think actually you hit the nail on the head. It's more important to get tax reform, from my perspective, than tax cuts. Tax cuts would be great. Who wants to pay more taxes? Nobody does. Right. But but would it be more important to make sure that we get tax reform? And I look at the OECD um, uh, statistics that mm -hmm. show us that in the U.S. we're 31 out of 35. Just think about for that for a minute. You're talking about corporate tax rates. Yeah. No, no, no. It's just the whole tax system. Okay. Right. We're losing jobs and companies are moving overseas because we've found ourselves, because we haven't addressed it mm -hmm. for 30 years, it's hard. that it's we're hard. number 31. I mean, Who wants hard. to be number 31? I don't. So there's a reason it hasn't happened since 1986, comprehensive mm -hmm. tax reform. Does it happen? If you, if you were a betting man and you put your money on it, does it happen this year? Uh, I don't know if it's going to happen this year, but I believe it's going to happen. In this administration? Yes. In this four years? Yeah. All right. So do you know Gary Cohn? I do. Okay. So yeah. Gary Cohn, former president of Goldman Sachs, now seeming to have a rising influence in the West Wing. That's what all the chatter is right now. Mm -hmm. Seeming to really have the president's ear. Some say at the cost of Steve Bannon's influence. Not going to ask you to weigh in on palace intrigue. However, <laughs> do you see the rise of Gary Cohen at play in the words and policies that we're hearing from this president right now? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not spending as much time as you might be in terms of, of that issue, which, by the way, is important. I don't mean to. My, my focus every day is, is to rebuild trust in our company, right? It's to make sure that we make things right with our customers and our team members. It's to fix what was broken, and it was to build a better Wells Fargo. I'm spending a lot of my time there. Any answer on what, uh, what you might see from, do you think that, that Gary Cohn is influencing the president in a positive way? 
You I, know the man, right? We, well, I, I do. I, I hope Gary Cohen is influencing. I, I've, I've known Gary for probably 10 or 15 years. We were competitors when he was at uh, Goldman Sachs. I think he did a great job there. I mm -hmm. think he's a very thoughtful and intelligent guy, and I think that he's going to He's providing a lot of real value for the administration. Because he said something interesting. I read a Washington Post uh, quoting him as saying, you know, that in meetings he says something to the effect of, I'm not a Democrat, I'm not a Republican, I just like to get things done. Mm -hmm. is, that, is that Gary Cohn to you? I mean, whoa. I, I, the Gary Cohn that I know is one that has gotten things done. I have, have never talked to him about whether he's a Democrat or a Republican. Candidate Trump promised to eliminate the national debt in eight years, you know, $19 trillion. His budget director, Mick Mulvaney, recently called that hyperbole. Do you think that this president can live up to the economic promises that he has made on jobs, creating you know, 25 million jobs, on, on eliminating the debt? Do you think he can live up to those promises? I hope so. Final question, Glass-Steagall, this is something you guys care about mm -hmm. and the potential for breaking up the big banks. As a candidate, you know that Trump ran on breaking up the big banks. Actually, the 2016 Republican platform called for bringing back Glass-Steagall. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Does it concern you? What would it mean for Wells? So I, I, don't, I don't think it's a good economic policy to break up the big banks. I think that would be a mistake. I think you can look at other countries around the world that have larger banks and their economies perform quite well. That's not to say that we shouldn't have good regulation. Right? As it relates to Glass-Steagall, when people use that phrase today, I think they mean a lot of different things. Uh, I've, based on the changes that I've seen in the industry since the Great Recession, I don't think there's a need for a return to Glass-Steagall. Um, when I th and the reason Why? I th because, well, I mean, what, because let's take the the broad definition as breaking up the functions of a bank servicing Wall Street and Main Street. Right. So I think when, when I'm out with our customers, let's take a large corporate customer today, and I call yep. on a lot of our customers, they value that they can call up Wells Fargo and they can get credit from us, they can get treasury management services, they can get advice in terms of how they might raise equity or debt or buy a company. They value that very comprehensive relationship. I think done correctly, it's, it works really, really well. We need to make sure that we have the right regulations in place mm -hmm. to prevent it from being done uncorrectly. So when we hear Gary Cohn say, and I'm quoting him on Bloomberg, if we come up with the 21st century modern Glass-Steagall, we may be able to tailor regulation for different aspects of the financial markets and different aspects of the financial institutions, and that would allow banks to get lending more aggressively to mm -hmm. small and medium-sized companies. It's a big part of your business, lending mm -hmm. to those companies. Is he right? Is he wrong? Well, I, as I said, I've known Gary for a long time. I think he's terrific. I don't necessarily agree with everything he said. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in to this edition of Boss Files. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Poppy Harlow CNN. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.